Greetings to each one this morning. I guess uh, this will be the last time you'll, I don't know, have to hear from me for a while. <laughs> Not sure if it's get to or have to sometimes. Um, yeah, let's open with a word of prayer here. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord, for your presence that's been here this morning. Thank you for the opening message and the, or the meditation. Just thinking about our faith and how it compares with the faith of the wise men. Just pray, Father, that you would give us, help us to have this faith, to trust you more fully with our lives. <clears throat> Just pray, Father, that you would continue to lead and guide through the service today. You would guide my words and thoughts. I pray that you would use me this morning. And that this wouldn't be my own ideas, Father, but as we look into your word, that we could each learn something. Father, that you would speak to my heart, too, through this message. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't remember for sure, I think it's 18 days maybe that we have left here. So it's coming right down there. As I was thinking about uh, having the message this morning, I thought of uh, goodbyes. We've started saying some of them to family and um, grandparents and so on and so forth. You know, it'll be a little while before we see them again probably. And I was... I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, maybe there's something about goodbyes I could share. And uh, as I thought about it, I thought of the, um, I think it's almost four chapters in John where Jesus is talking to his disciples um, before he is betrayed by Judas. And those are kind of like his parting words to them. Uh, He does talk to them some after he's risen, but... um, Prior to his death, those are, seems to be some of the last words to them. And I thought it was interesting, so I, I'm not in any way comparing uh, our leaving to, the, to his leaving his disciples, but just looking at what he found important, um, I guess is where the message is going to go to today. Um, I will not read all four chapters, although there's a lot in them, and It's very good. Um, The central theme that stuck out to me was charity and how often he used either the word love or charity. And I don't know if I, I guess I can say this, as I considered some of the issues we're facing here, I thought um, maybe we could use a little more charity. So I'm... uh, going to look into that word a little bit in various places it's used and see if we can't glean something from it. Um, Definition of the word charity, a desire for and a delight in the well-being of the one loved leading to active and self-sacrificing effort on their behalf. 
a desire for and delight in the well-being of the one loved, leading to active and self-sacrificing effort on their behalf. So uh, in a marriage, that would be either husband or wife, um, in active self-sacrificing effort on the behalf of their their uh, partner, their other half. <laughs> um, that charity it, it needs to be found in all relationships, I believe. Parent to a child, uh, brother to brother in the church, sister to sister in the church. Um, uh, ministry to the congregants and vice versa. It's uh, not the word I was thinking of. Um, the people that make up the congregation, the body. That's what I was looking for. John 13, which is the beginning um, of this four chapters of the last of his sharing with his disciples. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I think the same goes for us, if we have love one to another. That's one of the ways that the world knows uh, that we are followers of Christ. Um, You often hear of uh, people who have left the church and complain about the hypocrisy of Christians and and uh, a lot of that goes hand in hand. Not seeing that love one for another um, can drive people away from the church. <clears throat> the world will know we are his disciples by our love for each other. Um, John 15 uh, what Okay, so in verse 34, it says it was a new commandment. Um, uh, reminded me of, um, I forget who he's talking to now, but he talks about the two greatest commandments, that you love God and your neighbor as yourself. Um, this is a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He came here and showed us that love so that we could give that same love to others. Uh, John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Again, we're commanded again to love. This is my commandment that you love one another. That desire for and delight in the well-being of the one loved. Uh, Verse 17 of chapter 15. These things I command you that you love one another. There's not any getting around this. It's been three times now and a handful of chapters 
We're commanded to love one another. Um, John chapter 17. This is one's a little different. Um, bear with me. I think you'll understand my connection here. Verse 21, it says that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That oneness doesn't happen without love, without charity. So by our love for each other, the world is supposed to see that Jesus was not just a man, but divine. Um, many people will acknowledge, uh, many people on the street will acknowledge that Jesus was a good man. Um, even the Muslims will view him as a prophet. Uh, but um, how would you say it? It would be heresy to them to think of him as divine. So by our oneness, we are showing that to the world. They may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. There's the divineness part of it. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. What is charity? We have a whole, another whole chapter in First Corinthians where Paul thoroughly explains sometimes what it isn't and sometimes what it is as we read down through there. First Corinthians 13. <clears throat> Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all, <clears throat> all faith, excuse me, <clears throat> and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth, charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Rejoice, <coughs> rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but where, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even, also, even as also I am known. 
and now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the great sorry, now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So that's what I've titled the message here this morning. The greatest of these is charity. I think Paul covers pretty much every angle of charity in this chapter. And I wasn't actually planning to go through it um, uh, verse by verse necessarily, but I think if we can remember to keep this in the forefront of our mind, uh, especially when we're facing issues or difficult things, remember to have charity one for another. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So this charity or love um, is supposed to be sacrificial. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's, uh, let's turn to Romans quick. Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 and 10. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly, af- <clears throat> be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Love without dissimulation. Uh, dissimulation in... Um, the Strong's, I think it was. I think that's where I got this definition. Unfeigned, not pretended, sincere. I don't know why. <clears throat> I don't know why it is, but for some reason, it's very. It seems very easy to tell when love is fake. I don't know. It's. I'm not sure why that is, but it just seems that way. And so, pretending love doesn't work. Let love be without dissimulation. Or unfeigned, not pretended. Needs to be sincere. Verse 10, um, the word preferring. Another way to say that is to show deference. One, another. One to another. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Remembering that charity is a desire for and a delight in the well-being of the one loved, leading to active, self-sacrificing effort on their behalf. I think that definition comes from... uh, Daryl Champlin, is that his last name? I think that's where that definition comes from. And you see that in in verse 10 here, in honor preferring one another. It it takes a, it's an active decision many times to set aside what I want and to prefer what someone else wants. So that comes out 
uh, in in uh, this love for one another, brotherly love, actively. Um, Desiring and delighting for the well-being of the other one by actively preferring one another. Let's uh, flip over to Colossians. chapter 3 verse 14 let me actually just back up and read from verse 12 on put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved bowels of mercy kindness, humbleness of mind meekness, long suffering forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so also do ye and above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. <clears throat> this bond of per, uh, perfectness, as I was studying this verse, it was described as the ligaments that hold the joints together. Um, I didn't do a lot of research into this, but I know that there are, our bodies have, um, I guess they call them degenerative diseases, where things like your ligaments would break down. I think um, arthritis would probably be considered one of those. I'm not, I'm not totally sure on all that. Actually, I just thought of Andrew, maybe he would have <laughs> a better idea on some of that with his recent hand surgery there, but I thought of... I thought of those issues in our physical bodies and I wondered about the church body and what uh, diseases or what uh, degenerative conditions can come into a church that cause the breakdown of the ligaments that hold the joints together in the, in the church body. Charity, which is the bond of perfectness, I've also heard that word bond described as glue uh, that holds it together. Um, those degenerative conditions or things like arthritis generally cause a lot of pain in the people who are facing them. Um, and so if what is the health of the joints of of our church body here? Is there pain in the joints? What's causing the breakdown in the tissue that holds these joints together? It says to put on charity, which again uh, indicates that this is an active... Um, choice, I guess. We need to choose to have charity, one with another. 
First Peter speaks of charity also. First Peter four eight. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Fervent is intentional, without ceasing, stretched out earnestly. you have earnest love among yourselves. Intentional. Again, the idea that it's, it's active. It's something that we have to do. It's not something that happens um, that just happens or by chance. It's something that we've, we've set our mind to, to have charity. The last part of that verse is kind of intriguing to me. Um, For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I I don't know for sure exactly how this is intended or how this is supposed to look, but we know that we're not that sin isn't supposed to be hidden. It needs to come to light to be dealt with. But the word cover indicates to intentionally cover, to hinder the knowledge, uh, I think is the word, is the phrase that Strong's used. And I think what uh, Peter is going for here is what it, that it's not our place to go around spreading it, um, you know, making it known. For example, uh, so-and-so hurt me by doing this. Or did you see what so-and-so did? That's not really covering. That's not having love for that person and for bearing with them. Seems to be the opposite. Get the picture of opening a container rather than putting the lid on. Again, I'm not advocating that sin is hidden. It needs to be dealt with. Um, oftentimes it can't be dealt with unless it's brought out into the open. But it seems like um, somehow there's a, there's a relationship between, there between charity and, uh, and dealing with sin. So we, so we think of sacrificial love. I think we're going to be done a little early here today. As we think of sacrificial love, um, the ultimate example of that would be Christ. And you think of all that he gave up to come to earth for us. He chose to love us, people that were not lovely, that didn't deserve love. But he chose to do it. Sometimes it's a little hard to wrap our mind around that, you know, what he all gave up. And um, to fully understand some of that can be difficult. And so I was, I was looking for some other examples, and I ran across these two stories. 
One is uh, in relation to a um, to the marriage relationship and, and sacrificial love. And it goes like this. Bishop Laverde, uh, this is kind of a report of a... Uh, of an, an event that happened and some of the things he said at it. Bishop Laverde said that couples who participated in the marriage jubilee mass in Arlington, uh, apparently they were having a celebration of couples that had been married for 25 years or 50 years, which is a long time. To We just had our eighth anniversary here, beginning of this month, and to think... Of 50 years is a long time ahead of us. But, so Bishop Laverde uh, says that couples who participated in this marriage jubilee mass in Arlington have understood and have lived the reality of sacrifice, of sacrificial love given generously over the course of 50 or 25 years. But these couples would be quick to tell us that they did not always easily They did not do that always, easily or very well. The reality is, however, that they did sacrifice, sometimes in ways that were really difficult, nearly impossible, maybe even dramatic, but more often than not in ways that were just annoying, irksome, and really inconvenient. Love is what enabled these large and small sacrifices. (coughs) He commented, love that was not a passing feeling or merely an emotion, however noble, but love that was a commitment, a decision to be for the other. It was life-giving love, love of a type described by St. Paul, love obtained through prayer, love transformed like water into wine by Christ. Bishop Laverde recalled an instruction or exhortation once read to couples at every every wedding in the church that accented the importance of a sacrifice in marriage. It is most fitting that you rest the security of your wedded life on the great principle of self-sacrifice. The exhortation advised couples at one point. It said, Sacrifice is usually difficult and irksome. Only love can make it easy, and perfect love can make it a joy. So, sacrificial love isn't necessarily always uh, laying down your life for someone. Um, as it say, at perfect love hath no man than this that he lay down his life for his uh, for his brother. It's not always that. Sometimes it's just a little annoying, irksome, or really inconvenient things. And choosing to love, only love can make it is easy, and perfect love can make it a joy. And that's a choice to love. And another story here. Um, an eight-year-old boy had a younger sister who was dying of leukemia. He was told that without a blood transfusion, she would die. His parents explained to him that his blood was probably compatible with hers, and if so, he could be the blood donor. They asked him if they could test his blood, and he said, sure. So they did, and it was a good match. Then they asked if he would give his sister a pint of blood, that it could be, and that it could be her only chance of living. He said he would have to think about it overnight. The next day he went to his parents and said he was willing to donate the blood. 
So they took him to the hospital where he was put on a gurney beside his six-year-old sister. Both of them were hooked up to IVs. A nurse withdrew a pint of blood from the boy, which was then put in the girl's IV. Can't finish it. When I first read this story, it's one of those stories that kind of made the hair stand up on the back of your neck. The boy lay on his gurney in silence while the blood dripped into his sister until the doctor came over to see how he was doing. Then the boy opened his eyes and asked, How soon until I start to die? I'm sorry. He had not, he had obviously not fully understood the process, but yet he was willing to give his life. As I said, it's not always necessarily the giving of one's life, but it can include that. There are many other verses that speak of charity. Rather than read through them all, I just jotted down some of the main points. You might recognize them. Uh, Charity edifieth. We're told to follow after charity. Let all things be done with charity. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I guess I read that one earlier. Charity out of a pure heart. Continue in faith and charity. Be an example in charity. I think that is the one in uh, uh, Titus or Timothy where the young men are exhorted to be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and in charity. Follow after charity. The aged men should be sound in charity and add to brotherly kindness. Charity. I'm not quite sure how they differentiate between brotherly kindness and charity because it seems like they would go hand in hand. But it says to add to brotherly kindness, charity.
I thought of the one there at the top, Charity Edifieth. I have a quote here. Charity will attempt to cultivate fruit, not criticize the lack of it. I think that's something important we need to keep in mind. Before I have a couple questions here at the end, before I close, I'll read that definition again. Charity is a desire for and a delight in the well-being of the one loved, leading to active and self-sacrificing effort on their behalf. I think of that story of the eight-year-old boy who, not fully understanding what was going on, was expecting to give his life for his sister. That is a very good example of charity. And I wonder, uh, with some of these questions I have here, what ways have I chosen to show charity to my brother this week? Or how could I better show charity to my sister? Something else is that charity goes both ways. Both to the giver, or both the giver and the receiver need to show charity. Follow after charity. Charity edifieth. Might just read again here. And a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I hope that could be a blessing to you and challenge. I was very challenged by this and had to think about it quite a bit. How am, how am I doing in my charity? My, uh, my showing of charity to my brothers. to my family, to my wife, to my boys. I think uh, it would do us all well to to really ponder that and consider where are we at. New commandment he has given us. That the world may know that we are his disciples 